To the Flash Flashcast Season 2, Episode 7. I'm Lisa Schmeiser, and with me, as always, are Tony Sindelar and Phil Mozilak. Um, I feel like this week was a very exciting week for multiple reasons, um, only one of which happens to be closely related to human beings. But um, before we get started, you know, of course, our first segment is the 45 second recap with a goal of getting it down to 30 seconds. Who is our recapper for? I think I can. I think I got it. I think I got it. You think you got it? All right. I believe in you. You can do Mm -hmm. anything when I when when you believe in yourself. Yes, that's the important thing. Right. You don't need to have skills. You don't need to have practice. You don't need expertise. You just need to believe. This is not the best motivational speech, but my understanding is that motivational speeches are required to unlock any superpower. So Mm -hmm. this is the requisite motivational speech. And there's a montage behind it. Yeah. All right. Ooh, very nice. There we go. I'm going to count you down now. And uh, we'll aim for 30 seconds. Ready? Five, four, three, two, go. Guerrilla warfare. Grodd returns in a major way, Tony Time. Barry has recovered or has recovered from its astounding speed from injury that had permanently paralyzed a normal person. He has mentally, he has, has not mentally recovered from his battle with Zoom and doesn't believe the city has faith in him. Even Wells doesn't think he should stick around despite Caitlin's attempt to convince him. Uh, those plans are put on hold when Caitlin's kidnapped by our Grodd, manipulating by two brain-enhancing serums. Harrison shows up uh, wearing the reverse flash w- suit, which sends Barry into a frenzy. Bam! Biff! Thwacko! Grodd goes through the portal to downtown Apeville. Then Ramon gets a kiss from the hot girl. What's that? That was 44 seconds. Well done! Right. Well done! Yeah. I feel like your mid-season one flash with with bringing it in at forty four seconds. Yeah, we can do it faster. We will keep hopping on that cosmic treadmill and, and, mm-hmm. and making it work. Um, so Grodd is obviously the big story. I wanted to ask how many of you guys have seen um, King Kong? Uh, Which one? Either one, any of them. I've seen. I've seen them. A lot. It's been a while. Yeah. Because um, normally Caitlin is not busy <gasps> running around the lab in excessive makeup and a white halter top um, uh, jumpsuit, yeah. and the way she was dressed was a clear shout out to Faye Ray mm-hmm. or to Jessica Lang in um, in King Kong. It was it was it was a hundred percent the flowy thing, and um, they did a little bit of an inversion of a trope because you know he he basically mentally hijacks her instead of being giant and running up the side of a building. But there's a clear homage to uh, to to the King Kong iconography all the way through this episode, and I thought it was just such a sweet visual visual touch. Um, I was I was charmed by it both times I saw it. Um, um, so I yeah, like that you know, a lot. Speaking of which, <clears throat> just on a rudimentary scale, I'm pretty convinced of this. Did they change the model for Grodd? They did. Um, I watched the. Um, I have Flash uh, as an iTunes subscription, so. This way, our, our DVR is perpetually 99% full, and so this way we can clear things off of the DVR, and I can go back and rewatch episodes um, on any of my devices. So with the iTunes uh, subscription, which I pay for, I want to add, and, and this is in no way a shill for either Apple or The Flash or anything like that. This is me just pointing out, you get a lot of extras, because you'll have one-on-one interviews. They did a six-and-a-half-minute segment on the special effects behind Gorilla Grodd. 
And um, they talked to the head of VFX, whose name has slid right off my brain pan because I'm going into day six of a really brutal cold and I'm stoned on Sudafed. And long story tripping. Oh, God, (laughs) I wish. Um, Long story short, in season one, um, when Berlanti's like, oh, we're going to do an ape, um, the VFX team kind of like had had a collective panic. And then they thought this through and storyboarded it. And we're like, you know what? We can do this on a TV budget with a TV timeline. If we just show parts of the ape and we do a lot of shots that are composed in darkness and then they're like, oh, more gorilla grod for season two. And what they did after that is they built out a new wireframe model of gorilla grod and did some motion capture studies and they took a look at footage of actual gorillas and then um, they tweaked it a bit so that gorilla grod shoulders aren't quite symmetrical. And they said, well, most animals aren't really symmetrical in the wild and, and, you know, skewing the proportions a bit fools your eye into thinking you're seeing a more naturalistic rendering. And um, anyway, long story short, these guys did a lot more visual work this time out. And they also did a lot of computer compositing and modeling, and it worked out pretty well. So I thought it looked really good. I mean, we saw, I mean, I would always love to see more and, you know, they Mm -hmm. have to use it strategically because they can't, he can't be in every shot of the whole episode. They just can't afford to do that. No, the story doesn't really work for that, but. We get a lot of him. They identified the big beats, though. They were like, yeah. here are the big beats. And they mm-hmm. made it really clear. Belanti's like, well, you're going to see him go to um, the alternate world with the Gorilla City. And then somebody, I can't remember if it was Berlanti, the head of VFX, is like, of course, we kept all of those effects. And we really poured a lot of energy into those because it's going to return. Yeah. That last Ooh. scene so, looks particularly where he's like looking out yeah. over Gorilla City. Like, yeah. that. I mean, in part, it's like it's it's fully lit and, and whatnot. But like. He looks really like yeah. that looks kind of I would say borderline movie quality effects yeah. there, right? Um Yeah. I mean it's not Planet of the Apes quality, and I have to add I've seen I, I didn't see either one of those on the big screen, I saw them both on HBO and was actually stunned at how nicely rendered Planet of the Apes two was. But what I really did like about that final scene when Grod is shaking himself off is they actually have it in the sunlight and mm-hmm. you get a sense of actual fur. And then when you look around, you're like, Oh my God, the rock formations are shaped like gorillas and, and everything. It's it's a really nice rendering. Yeah. Um, also I'm so, excited because that means more gorillas. So that's, oh, yeah, yeah, that's no, good for an me. Entire arm, cause someone, cause uh, I think Berlanti's like, okay, imagine a city full of grods. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is gonna be great when it happens. So, so is grod upset? Has he been uh, duped and this is going to turn into anger? I don't know. I I don't want to speculate on that right now because I feel like there's still a lot to unpack in this episode. Like one of my favorite moments, um, this episode belonged to the gorilla, no doubt about it. But one of my favorite moments in the episode is when um, Harry is wearing the reverse flash suit and he's talking to Grodd and he's trying to coax Caitlin out and he says, please. And Grodd's like, father never says, please. Father always just takes. And like, my hackles rose at that because that was just such a great moment. There's a lot of bitterness there and like, like, Oh my God, the jig is up. But another reason my hackles had risen is because, um, you know, and this only occurred to me on the second watch. This is a guy who in theory should not have already come face to face with a giant psychic ape. And yet here he is face to face with a giant psychic ape calmly negotiating and pretending to be someone else and he doesn't crack and he doesn't crack the only time he cracks is when he says please and that's when they're like no no no, harrison waller says please but like it reveals to me like 
layers upon layers of either deception or complexity coming from old Harry Wells. Yeah. Did, did anybody catch the, you know, he starts talking about, I promised you the city and yeah. things of that mm-hmm. nature. Okay. Now, One day the city will be yours is his line. And then he jams the yeah. like needles into his leg. Right. Yeah. How would he know that? Well, that I, that, I mean, I had a lot of questions about that. Cause it's like that he's yeah. extra spooky and like, they make a big point of like, Cisco and Caitlin are still nearby seeing and hearing that. And is that like, I mean, there's a lot of like, how much are we supposed to trust Harry kind of, yeah. kind of stuff. And I, and like, I don't know if that was just, he's just trying to, you know, keep Grodd calm so he can, you know, and drug yeah. him or, or again, you know, what's up with Harry? How much does Harry know? Um, because he he knows about this gorilla place and the way he positioned it to them was, Oh, it's a place where gorillas who have been experimented on can run free. And well, maybe technically that is correct, but he d- but he doesn't mention he doesn't mention it. Uh, and the gorillas that can run free have the cognitive capacity to erect a civilization. Yeah. Like he doesn't add that part. And um, so it suggests to me that either Harry doesn't know, or Harry has um, a very um, flexible relationship <laughs> with the truth. Yeah. Um, or maybe the theme is is that no matter which Earth you're in. Um, if you're a dude wearing Harrison Wells skin, you are going to uh, be somebody who gets people to trust you through a really skilled mm-hmm. combination of half-truths and omission. I like the idea. I mean, so they have, they introduced the idea that the portals aren't in a, like, a one-for-one, Earth-one-to-Earth-two mm-hmm. location yeah. basis, which, um, I mean, they, and they, you know, they even ask <laughs> that question, why is that? Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, I'm mainly interested in that idea, because now <laughs> we can go on weird adventures to places in Earth-2, right? And there was yeah. even... When he was showing the map and it zooms in to where Gorilla mm-hmm. City is in Africa, uh, yeah. I, I watched. I paused and watched closely because there is a continent between North America and Europe in the middle of the ocean, and yeah. there's a flickering dot on on that continent. So it looks like somewhere there's a portal, for example, that goes to Atlantis. Will they ever yes. go to Atlantis? Maybe not. But I can I, I can hold. But that it's hope. there. Yeah. 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 You just don't know. <laughs> So so yeah it was so I thought this episode was noteworthy um because at the very end when they're you know man man that suit and that's the first and last time anything good has ever come of it and then Barry says well Cisco see if you can figure out this ring thing cuz I'm tired of carrying a bag everywhere <laughs> um, and then Harrison says and it seemed kind of tentative and diffident. Oh, I can help with that. And everyone was just like so stunned that they're like what? And he's like I know something. And um I, my first thought was, does he feel like part of the team now that he's done like a caper with them? I think so. Or... And because I thought there was a lot of symbolism at that end there when, when Henry is like, let me introduce myself. Thanks for helping out. Right. Like, yeah. like, and like, you can kind of see everyone's watching yeah. that that happens. And, and that means a lot to the, you know, yeah. to the kids that, you know. Yeah. Cause the... one of Barry's dad shakes the hand of yep. the doppelganger of Barry's other dad while Barry's third dad looks on. Yep. And, um. So I, I so like the non-cynical take I had was, okay, Wells is tentatively reaching out and learning how to work with a team, or rather Harry is tentatively reaching out and learning how to work with a team. And then the other part of me is like, exactly how do you know about cramming suits in and out of rings here, buddy? Um, so I'm, I'm not quite sure what to make of it, but I feel like that was meant to be called out as a big emotional beat. And then you have Henry, who's like, well, anything that keeps my boy safe, that makes you good in my book. And I'm like, oh, jerk store, can't you remember what Wells did to your kid in the last season? <laughs> you know, because Harrison Wells did do a lot of good things for Barry. And then, surprise! 
guys, I've also killed your mother, and here's a breach and a rupture in space and time. And so I, I, I sometimes wonder if Henry trusts a little too easily. And if that's the case, how did he make yeah, it how did prison he survive for all those years? <laughs> <laughs> I just I just need friends. Um Yeah. yeah I, stay, I, I, what, I, what goes on in Iron Heights, let's just be honest, mm-hmm. stays in mm-hmm. Iron Heights. <laughs> I liked a lot about this episode. I, I think my major criticism is kind of at the the mm-hmm. the pacing at the season level. Cause like there was a lot of stuff that kind of we were expected to accept happened from beginning to end or between episodes with this episode that mm-hmm feels like it should have been kind of dragged out longer right like i mean barry is basically you know he's brutally beat up by zoom and he can't feel his legs and that is like a a huge shattering moment and like he's better half an episode later and that that felt sad and like Uh, yeah i I wanted him rolling around the chair in the chair more Mm -hmm. and and you know harry's on the team now and it feels like that should have taken a little bit longer and i guess it's like he did this mission with them that didn't have anything to do with his own personal mission, right? And he and he put his butt on the line yeah. by by pretending to be the guy. And there was that really chilling moment where he, I guess Cisco must have fed him the line, you know, mm-hmm. and said, "Okay, this is the only way I can really calibrate how you're going to sound like him." But when he does the, in many ways, you know, this must I've I've learned what it feels like to have a son, and he gets it right. And I was like, "Oh wow, that is that is chilling." Um, especially if you go back and look at season one, right before Wells kills Cisco for the first time. But, you know, if I'm going to if, – if my daughter is being held captive, mm-hmm. I think that I would be saying, look, I don't care what's going on. I'm outie. Yeah. And maybe. You, yeah. I mean, maybe, that just maybe seems he's odd. Like, I think now that he knows that his daughter is alive, there might be a little bit of tactical – okay, at the beginning of the episode when he's getting ready to peace out, from his tactical perspective, it's – the super speedster is offline. Cisco has outlived his usefulness because he's already told me my daughter's alive, which is until I need it anyway. And um, Dr. Frost is not, you know, freezy girl in this, in this, in this world or whatever, because I, I have a feeling we're going to see her as, um, I keep wanting to say what's cooler than cool ice cold. And that's not her name. Um, <laughs> killer, killer Frost. Frost, killer Frost, killer Frost. But I think we're going to, I think we're going to see her as killer Frost this season. It'll probably be her, a, a doppelganger from another world. Now that they've introduced the possibility of closing down worlds and people traveling between them. And they've gone to all the trouble to actually do the hair and makeup for her. Like we saw in last year's Barry runs through time sequence. Um, so my feeling is at the beginning of the episode, Wells is like, well, if you people can't get out of the doldrums and Barry can't get out of his head, there's literally nothing you can do for me. I will think of a plan B by myself, have a nice life. And um, then Psychic Gorilla, and then Teamwork, and by the end of it, Wells may be thinking, okay, we know my daughter's alive. Zoom won't kill her because then he loses leverage over me. I now have a fully functioning superhero team at my disposal. If I can make them trust me and we can all work together, I can turn them into the team I need and they'll be motivated to help me. Like I, I, I think that might be like the the the, the antihero's journey, the little arc mm-hmm. that maybe he took. You know, I buy it. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, so that's and it. we yeah. do have a pre uh, two significant reveals at mm-hmm. the end and in the middle when we get vibed out and see some Hawk Girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do see the Hawk Girl. Um, I gotta say, as a kid of the '80s, really jarring to hear the Peter Gabriel in your eyes because I, I tend to associate that with like say I still associate that pretty strong with like say anything. And I was all, please do not have Cisco like holding up a tiny MP3 player. <laughs> well, he was holding the basket up over his head. Say it anything was very style. sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Their music so. choices are not of this generation. Which, no, they're my generation. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, for me, I'm totally, I'm, I'm fine with it. I know exactly yeah. the vibe you're trying to bring. Yeah. So to speak. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know who Peter Gabriel is, but that's fine. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. It hurts. I'm also hurts. super ignorant of music. So it hurts. Oh, it's oh, okay. Geez. Ow. Oh. So his, I, I mean, I recognize the say 19, anything pose. I just yeah. didn't, I didn't, I don't attach music to that. <laughs> I, so. you, the, the 1986 album, So, is one of my favorite albums. It's one of my Desert Islandists. And, and it just hurts to hear you say that. <laughs> I can talk okay, more. Tony. I can make it worse. What's funny is I, could, act, I recognize the tune from it is uh, is remixed in one of Girl Talk's albums. So. Yeah. And I was probably. like, oh, there's words to this? That's nice. <gasps> oh! <laughs> That's that, awesome. That was, you made it was, worse. That was that's not a fake guess. That wasn't actually a real. No, although to be fair to Tony and to Peter Gabriel too, um, Jason Snell and I went to see him on um, the Inside Out tour in 2001, two thousand one. No, two thousand two. Because Jamie was born two thousand. Went to see him in two thousand two. And while we're wait, watch, and we're up in our, our seats and I'm watching people trickle into the Oakland Coliseum, I'm like, why are there all these old people at Peter Gabriel concert? And I was like, oh, wait, wait. Okay. Okay. Now I get it. And then you took a selfie and you said, oh. oh. It was 2002. We had not the selfie technology. That's true. <laughs> no, but it was, it was the first time I had gone to a concert and looked around at old and, and, and seen people who had like gray hair and ponytails and been like, Oh God, this is my future now. This is this it's only gonna get worse from here. All of the concerts will be like this from now on. <laughs> What's I'm old is it. new again. Yeah. I'm it's... not in the nineties anymore. What happened? <laughs> but yeah, um so funniest laugh first laugh out loud moment of the episode is when Cisco's like, I have a date tonight, I'm thinking dinner, a movie, maybe breakfast, and then Barry completely pulls his chain with why would you go to breakfast? And, and like Cisco actually is like, oh Barry, and they're like, no, and and like he really had Cisco going for a moment that he was like naive enough not to not to get the the insinuation, and I was just laughing at that. I thought that was that was very nicely written. I also I, yes. I like I mean there's there's a lot of dating in this season. Uh, there's, yeah, there's, you know I feel like we we have one like every other episode now, mm-hmm. whether they're successful no, or we- not. We did have a little deception, and mm-hmm. it kind of came back around. But mm-hmm. you know, Barry kind of pulled out the cheese smile and got um, Patty to uh, to crack under pressure and not hold her uh, high ground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, like when they had that scene where Joe's like, "Oh, he loves my homemade soup." I was like, "Oh, Joe, yeah, Joe, Joe, too many lies. Oh, one yeah. one simple lie. Don't don't add flavor. That's just uh, yeah." It there it was a little I thought it was a little much that it was like let's have two of the th- two of our three ending scenes one of them has girl Grodd. I was like yeah and then two where like women forgive men who are lying to them and I was like yeah. uh, that's a strange theme to have but uh, you know I was like all right I'm willing to accept that hot girl has to be very forgiving because Legends of Tomorrow reasons so yeah um, but well and, and you- I'm I'm kind of wondering if we're not mm-hmm. going to see soon here. Where obviously, um, I'm going to go ahead and call him Ramon. I, I'm going to mm-hmm. use the Harry speak because mm-hmm. Harry is where it's mm-hmm. at. Um, mm-hmm. That he's going to eventually <laughs> kind of let it slip that he knows something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I think, I mean, I I don't know. So next, not next week, but uh, in because there is no episode next week. But in two weeks is the big crossover event, and I think yes, I think that's like going to be like I think Hot Girl is going to emerge 
in yeah, that. And the other the, interesting thing is... She's featured pretty heavily in the trailer for that. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of assuming, because there's kind of a couple different versions of Hot Girl. There's mm-hmm. the the version I'm mostly familiar with from Justice League Unlimited is like, she's a Thanagarian from the planet Thanagar, and she's a space cop, yeah. and she is an alien with giant wings. Um there's other ones that are kind of more magical, and I think I guess that's how you explain the like the yeah. wings coming and going because she clearly doesn't have giant wings. But in many of in at least one of those, like there's a whole thing where she's basically like an Egyptian princess who keeps getting reincarnated uh, yeah. along with her Carter uh, Hall, Carter Hall, who's like her eternal lover, right? Yeah. So Whoa. like that yeah. that bodes poorly for Cisco. Because like she has like a, a star-crossed they've lover. Cast a, yeah. They've cast a Carter Hall. Yeah, like um, Cisco. Unless your name's Hawkeye, like this isn't yeah. going to work out for you. You know. Yeah. No. It's. I. I. I think they have to keep Cisco. Uh, you know, as a as a free agent because Golden Glider is going to come back at some point. And I really like the idea that they just kind of zoom in and out of each other's lives a couple times every season. It's, and, it's uh, hard. It's hard dating a, a wanted convict, you know, or not convict. It felon, is, felon, but I really, f- it is, but I really feel like there's like not only comedic potential, like the two actors have chemistry yeah. and they play off each other really well. And I really like the idea that Cisco gets her in a way that the, you know, hives of scum and villainy she hang out, she hangs out on like the dudes in those hives don't. And I like the idea that she sees something in him that, you know, she's she's attracted to and inspires her to want to be a better person. And I just like the idea that over the course of a few seasons, you know, his friends like stage the intervention, all Cisco, you're dating a felon or Cisco, you're dating the you're dating a minor supervillain. He's like, I know she's just great, though. She, she has a commercial truck driver's license. And by the end of the series, like she's reformed or reformed as much as she's going to. And becomes a member of the team. Like, that's just where I want to see this go. And, like, you know, I mean, I, I feel like probably they would be judging her based on her brother. And Cisco, of all people, yeah. is going to be like, you can't judge people based on their brothers. Trust exactly. me. Yeah, My exactly. brother is and a jerk. Plus, you well, also don't know if yeah, Leonard Stark is going to redeem himself, you know? so Yeah, and but everybody's going to end up leaving. I mean, you know, without mm-hmm. saying too much, it seems as though anybody who's a part of the spinoff is yeah. leaving town. So, yeah. Even though she's new in town, she's going to be jet setting it over to Pittsburgh or somewhere. <laughs> well, yeah. Legends of Tomorrow could be set in time, so maybe like they can, you know, I don't know how easy it is to move through time, though. So. Mm-hmm. But you know, maybe it's easier than moving through space. So um, yeah. maybe she pops back whenever, whatever she needs. But um, yeah, if they've got the Kendra and Carter thing going on, then yeah, I feel that like does uh, not bode well for Cisco. So no, um, it's hard to, hard to compete with Starcrossed lovers. You know, that's, it really is. Yeah, you know. Fate. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and if she's uh, an alien, you know, again, well, I, she I might not. Be the guy. She I, might just be magic. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, they introduce w- magic in the in the universe now, so you've got that going on for you. Yeah. And yeah, uh, that's true. That's true. And they're introducing time travel, or, yeah. or rather, they have. They're going to introduce more of it, and um, so there's there's all sorts of hoodoo that they can just hand wave around, and boom, here you go. Um, because the DCU, at least the TV version, um, hasn't quite gotten to Aliens. I get the sense they're working up to it, but they haven't quite openly acknowledged it yet. So, Not yet. I mean, yeah. th- that's obviously a pretty major part mm-hmm. of the, yeah. the greater DC universe in that, you yeah. know, you've got some, you know, tier mm-hmm. two, tier, well, you know, hey, Superman, guess what? You know, he's not from mm-hmm. here. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah you, you've got a lot of people who are not, not you know. Although I really, the more I think about it, the more I really like the idea that all these tier two guys are like, look, we have our hands full with, you know, 
crazy magic and time and, and apes that pop in and out of the, and psychic apes and trans dimensional portals and run of the mill bad guys. So we do not spend a lot of our spare time sitting around thinking dreamy thoughts about Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batwoman. Like I mean Batman. <laughs> um or Batwoman for that. Or case. Like I really like the idea that these guys are like, well, you know, I realize that they capture everyone else's attention, but we have stuff we do and they never refill the coffee during the Justice League meetings or whatever. So <laughs> um, so, you know, like, I don't imagine that Oliver Queen is sitting around in his in his lair thinking, oh, if only I had a kid, if only I had bad ears instead of a stupid green hood. And I don't think Barry is sitting around going, well, if only I could fly and have a cape on top of running. Um, you know, I like the idea that these guys don't take up as much brain space in in their heads as, you know, they do in the hierarchy that comic book readers have set up for them. <laughs> See, and that's the, I think that's probably where an, an issue is happening because, you know, at least mm-hmm. with Avengers, you know, that's a tight knit group. You, but they, you know, eventually the JLA comes together and, mm-hmm. you know, Arrow and Flash are in that. Well, I always thought that the difference between the Avengers and JLA was that JLA was filled with functional adults and the Avengers was not. And, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's cause they're always fighting with each other in the Avengers and they always have perpetual screw ups and JLA such... has a lot more bureaucracy. Um, yeah. I mean, it's basically no. cause you've got Batman behind the scenes being like, I'm all do the paperwork, you know? No, I feel like the Martian Manhunter would be really big into filing things too. I, you know, he, I could see him really figuring out like the, the, the chore wheel for the, the space station. Like, you know, all right. I need you to fill out. I need you to fill out this uniform request in triplicate. Um, Booster gold. Yeah. It is your time to do the dishes. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Booster gold's like, no, I didn't come back in time so I could do dishes. But, um, you know, I I don't think we're going to have an alien. I, I want to get back to this episode. And what I want to talk about is I'm kind of disappointed that Barry was running by the end of it. Yeah. Cause, because one of my favorite shots of him was just him kind of casually wheeling around the mm-hmm, lab in mm-hmm. Dr. Wells' wheelchair. And I, and I think they did that deliberately to show that when he was sidelined like Wells, there's, there's, an, there's, there's a parallel between them that he's not ready to acknowledge. And I wanted that to be carried out a little bit more and maybe like a couple more episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, opposed, that, that yeah. early scene where he's in the wheelchair and they're, they're all, they're talking to each other, but they're all looking uh-huh. at the suit was actually, yeah. I thought that was visually pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, it it does. It feels again. I mean, my, my gripe is that, you know, I'm looking forward to legends of tomorrow. I just, mm-hmm. I, it makes me sad how much of, yeah. The front half of Arrow and Flash this season has felt like yes, dictated. Exactly. Like yeah. I feel like they probably would have liked for him to be, you know, recuperating mm-hmm. and and you know, building his strength back up for like three episodes. But yeah. he needs to be one hundred percent for the crossover next week. That's going to lead into yeah. like he needs to just be standard Flash. He needs to not be, you know, you know, yeah. half speeds Flash, right? No. And, and, and this is something that we'll bring up. We're going to have a crossover podcast event. We're still working out the details as who's as to who's appearing, what and when and where. But it's going to happen, folks. Um, but to ping over to Arrow for just a minute, I actually thought the Constantine, um, the Constantine insert was really smooth, for example. And it felt kind of organic because you've already, in that show, you have a magic whirlpool. So, you know, fine, you know. Uh, Constantine level wizards are, are are sort of like par for the course there because they've already got all the mystical hoodoo going on. Um, and what's it, it is kind of weird when mystical hoodoo crossover feels more organic and natural than oh look it's Kendra who's working as a barista and 
oh, it's Leonard Snart who vows he'll be back again. And oh, look, you know, and over on Arrow, it's, oh, look, it's Ray Palmer in a box and, and you know, and, and all that. So I will be glad when this, when they finally launch that freaking show and, and we can, and we can get our shows back as well, it were. Yeah, and it's it, just it really a couple grand kind of, servants. It, it's, it's putting, you know, one arm behind the back on, on all writers. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, yeah, let us, let us, you know, I, I, you know, that's the thing. It's like, I feel the frustration as well. It's like, I would nothing more than to beat the crap out of characters and to have, mm-hmm. even though I want flash to be the flash. I don't mind Barry learning something by being sidelined. Yeah. In fact, I kind of want it. Yeah, I, I, I would. It would be interesting because it was interesting when when one of the more interesting and emotional moments was when Barry was at the command, and um, you know, his dad asked, "So this is what it's like every time you fight a metahuman." And you can tell that that Henry's kind of freaking out over the thought that his son is is constantly going out there doing this. And Barry says tensely, yeah, but it's me on the other side. And he begins to get an idea of what it must feel like to be Cisco and Caitlin. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, Cisco and Caitlin are kind of getting an idea of what it's like to have to improvise in the field, too. Um, so I like that. I would have liked to have seen it for more episodes, too. You know? Yep. Um, this, ap- this episode was satisfying because Grodd! And I also really liked that Caitlin was empath- had had tremendous empathy for him, even when he like mentally hijacked her brain and was like, "You're going to build me a guerrilla army." Yeah. The, the, At the end of it, she correctly points out that they did this to him. Yeah, and like that they're responsible for him, and the moral ethical thing to do is to to acknowledge his need. I mean, the the version of of Grodd in the TV show is actually kind of a lot more interesting than the the comic book version. The comic book version yeah. is just power hungry, you know, psychic gorilla. But like they really, I mean, obviously he does murder people and he is he's yeah. he is a villain. But like he is also very much a victim, right? And they they remind us of that a, a, a lot, right? I mean yeah. that he is this, it's you know kind of the, the Frankenstein monster problem that like he kind yeah. of wishes he doesn't exist and he's like he's lonely, right? I mean like that's his yeah. problem. He's not trying to kill the Flash. He's not, um, yeah. you know, trying to take over the city. At least for right now, he's not knocking over banks. He's lonely and wants Caitlin to make another gorilla, basically, yeah. so he can have a friend, right, or a child or something. Yeah. And and really, the only reason he is evil, and I put quotes on that, is because of Wells, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's been abused, kind of, right? He's right. been abused by his father, is what it yeah. comes down and to, he, basically. You know, and he is willing to murder people he doesn't need to murder. Yeah. Because he doesn't, you know, well, Wells I guess he doesn't respect him- human life, right? Well, why would he? Yeah. Because well. all it's ever done is cause him pain. Mm-hmm. And because um, all it's ever done is cause him pain and want to use him. And at this point, he's confused. He's intelligent. He's lonely. He's he's abused and he's in pain. Like a human being reacts the same way. This, um, I actually think it's really, you know, having just mean, having just uh, binge watched a whole bunch of the Justice League Unlimited and, and Justice League uh, episodes on Netflix. And seeing a much more calculating and well-adjusted Grodd, I really like the writer's room decision here to um, give this Grodd emotional complexity yeah. and to point out what a victim he is and to actually have at least one human being recognize that, you know, we are directly responsible for Grodd. He was used in people's plots again and again. No one has ever advocated for him. And I thought it spoke well of Caitlin's character at the very end when she's like, I feel like I've betrayed him. And Cisco was like, no, you didn't. But yeah, actually, you know, she, she kind of did. 
And it was for a greater good, but she's yet another person in a long line of humans who has, um, who has exploited their relationship for her gain. Um, and I'm glad that she feels bad about it. You know, like it was really striking that she bore Grodd no ill will at all. Well, and they were ready to yeah. kill him. I mean, uh-huh. at the end of the day, it was and just she like, she was well, not. Yeah. 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 It could be very interesting, and maybe if Grodd comes back over or they mm-hmm. go to see him, mm-hmm. whether that is reciprocated. Though it sounds like, at the end of the day, Grodd, they can't make Grodd a good guy, but they could have him do mm, decent things in a longer game. Yeah. Yeah, because well, I mean, like, with, I don't know what mm-hmm. it'll look like. In, like, in the comics, there's a big thing where, like, you know, he takes over Gorilla City and he's, like, a usurper and he like, you know, assassinates people to rise through the ranks and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, is it, will that be what we get here or not, right? I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do like that with Flash, they are consistently willing to humanize the villains. And in many ways, that makes it worse than if they're just cartoon baddies. Um, and mind you, I want, I want to go on record as saying I think Zoom is a phenomenal villain, um, cause he, precisely because he's scary and inhuman. And he's got some sort of weird motivation. But, you know, I think one of the reasons the, the Leonard Snart episodes are always so compelling is because, you know, this this guy has a has a lot of complicated complex motivations and some pretty simple, you know, wants that he's pretty clear about. Like, I just want to commit some crime and, you know, I don't have huge ambitions. I just want to commit some crime and have a decent work life balance. And um, And I don't and- want to be told what to do. Yeah, and Grodd's is, I just am really tired of being alone. And even General Eiling is, I just want to gain an edge in national security because I now live in a world that is filled with psychic gorillas and metahumans, and all of our defense contracts with Raytheon do not cover this. (laughs) So so everybody is eminently, you know, everybody, you can kind of come around and see their motivation, and that's why... um, it makes what they do more striking is because it's when you empathize with the villain, it, it, it you're like, oh, I'm not supposed to do that. And then there's also the, I can understand how this stuff happens. So, um, yeah. are the portals only in central city? I think so. I think that I was think the right confusing. Now, yeah. I think he is mapped. They have the, the magic DC number 52. Yeah. I think there are 52 portals in earth one central city that lead to places all over the world in earth two. Yeah. I thought that was kind of crazy. Just like I it just for some reason it was just like the one to one and I'm thinking mm, coming up for this crossover event mm-hmm. is there going to be a portal in Star City? Uh I don't know. I I mean I I think they're all in Central City because I think they're where the the singularity was in the sky. If there's a portal right? if there's a portal in you can't put a portal in Star City because then the logical question arises which is then why doesn't Team Arrow just solve their two big problems this season by tossing those problems <laughs> into the portal? Yeah. <laughs> like they could literally have a five minute conversation about the pros and cons, but they have enough pragmatic people on Team Arrow mm-hmm. where Team throw them into someone else's planet would would definitely win that argument. Yeah, Very unless they unless they do something, and there have been there have been a few seeds that they have not like harvested yeah. yet because there was there was that villain mm-hmm. uh, in season one where they they dropped the the little hint that it was a metahuman mm-hmm. who was not in the city at the time. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there may be more things that they're going to reveal, but I suspect that, I mean, I, I haven't, I, maybe there's already a promo for the next, the, the two-parter, but I assume Vandal Savage will have to be involved and there must therefore be yeah. maybe a little I bit of time want, travel. I, yeah. 
Yeah, I did watch the promo, which mm-hmm. got me kind of interested of what's going on. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, I did see both the the hockeys, um, mm-hmm. and I believe I don't think Vandal Savage was in the trailer, but it's already been kind of shown. But I don't know who that is. Yeah. He's a, a time traveling jerk. He's no good. Um, He's um. He doesn't die. It's really annoying. No, it's. <laughs> He's kind of um, a really annoying combination of both Magneto and Charles Xavier in terms of, um, you know, select, like every once in a while he gets a, a bug up his butt about selective breeding. So he's, he's done, you know, civilization spanning experiments and he's arrogant and I stand apart from humanity and I resent that I stand apart from humanity, but I love what makes me stand apart from humanity. And um, I guess the idea is that because he's so freaking immortal, he's also very smart because... I guess his brain transcends the the limits of the normal human brain along with everything else. And the thing I love most about him is that when he fathered a child off of somebody, he named the child Scandal Savage. So there's Vandal Savage and Scandal Savage. Wow. I was like, like, you've been around, you've been alive for millennia and Scandal Savage is seriously the best name you could come up with. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's a brilliant tactician. He's not a great namer. No, I, mean, I guess not. Every every villain's got to have a weakness. That's what makes them interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess that must he, be his. It. Is that he never he never read a baby name book? So you yeah. Know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm funnier when Lisa's on cold medicine. So yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, she is kind of tripping it out right now. I mean, that it's laugh sad. was a little bit uh, Sorry. extended. Sorry, no. Just imagining Vandal Savage like holding up a hand. All right, Batman, hang on. I'm to the M's here, and I'm reading the name history for Megan. Yep. And it's all lies because I was there when the first Megan was born. <laughs> <laughs> Something like along those lines, you know? Well, just based on the, I saw like an ad for the the crossover, and it looked like mm-hmm. it will be much more of a two parter that it happens to be across the two shows than the. Yeah. I was a little underwhelmed with the crossover we had last season, where it was like. We're going to yeah. do some stuff in one city, and then we're going to do some stuff in the other city, but they're not really connected events. And then we're going to have that Rocky-esque ending with, who's going to win the fight? And, yeah. you know, I was like, wait, this is how a, this is how one of the Rocky movies ended. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, so, you, you know, you should, if, if you're not regularly watching both Flash and Arrow, you should next week. Yeah. And, yeah. You, should and be, I guess you should be caught up. You're going to have to, you're going to have to tune in for, uh, for both the, the Flash, uh, Flash Speedy Ah, what's our thing called? Flash Flash Cast. We and have the, the Flash Flash Cast and the Speedy Arrow Cast. To get your full and commentary could, on everything. Exactly. And if you are just a regular Flash Flash Cast listener, you're like, eh, Arrow, whatever, like, feel free to tweet. We can give you quick primers on who's who and <laughs> what matters. Um, I will say, after the, 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 the baffling... Um, well, actually, all of last season was baffling. I can't even pick out specific elements because just a whole lot of it was like, eh. Um, this season is is really tight. It's hanging together well. So I don't know if they've just managed to clone the writers from Flash, or if these poor guys are now doing double duty, or what the deal is. But Arrow has come back this year. Really love it, um, and loving the Flash too. It does it is. I was seriously worried we were going to have like a sophomore slump, and uh, that has not been the case. Nope, not so at all. We got our crossover, and I think that then then there's a bit of a hiatus. So it'll be exciting. Yeah. 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 It'll be very exciting for all of you who don't have to listen to us week in and week out. <laughs> right, you get, take a break. you get some time off, you know. Yeah, and you know, we actually do. This reminds me that we're going to have to figure out um, if there's a Legends of Tomorrow flashcast, or oh, no. um, if we will all be so burnt out from <laughs> doing cold, Flash Flashcast and then Jessica Tony. Jones, and yeah. 
I've heard inklings of Jessica Jones, but I yeah. don't know who and I don't know when. I'm on it, actually. Alien well, and there I've been you talking go. about it, so uh, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. I've liked Kristen Ritter since. Um, actually, I watched Don't um, Trust the Bee in Apartment 23 solely for Kristen Ritter because she has flawless comic timing. So I'm look- I-, I-, I really hope this show is funny in parts as well as being grim and having a character one of the most horrific backstories in the Marvel Universe and so on and so forth. <laughs> and once again, we are far away from the Flash. So- yeah, we just third railed it bad. Yeah. yeah. So, so much superheroes, so much to say. And yeah. There is, yeah. Um. But- well, I think we are just about at the uh, coming up on the length of an episode, which you know mm-hmm. that which that's works out I, well. I like to think of as a limit. Not all podcasts, or the, or the length yeah. of a uh, guy English recap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know they probably do like stunt arrow tricks while they're recapping at yeah. the same time. I mean, you know, we focus on on the Flash's speed, but Arrow has always been. They have like five flashbacks in the recap alone, so you know, there's that. <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm grateful that Arrow doesn't do a whole, not Arrow. I'm grateful that Flash doesn't do a whole lot of those. Oh, one more thing I did want to talk about in this episode. Henry, thumbs up, thumbs down, entirely unnecessary. Um, how well, do we feel about Henry? It was nice to see him. It, I mean, mm-hmm. all he did was, you know, I mean, I guess, you know what, maybe Barry really did just need, you know, <laughs> yeah. one father figure is not enough. He needed the, he needed two and he needed yeah. some, some, some inspirational words. Um, yeah. doesn't hurt that he's a doctor. Um, I, I like seeing him. It was him. surprising. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I I was genuinely surprised. So yeah, yeah, um, nice. I like that. I, I like that. That was Iris's call. Yeah, um, and we actually got some more foreshadowing for Wally West when she's like, "Oh, Dad, you were a great dad. You were a great dad to Barry. I think you'd have been a good father for any son you had." And like hanging over Whoa, her head. Whoa! I thought, didn't even catch that. Hanging over her head is the thought balloon, which is including the one that your your wife hasn't told you about yet. <laughs> wow! Stucco. Good catch. That one. That yeah. one went by me. Yeah, but so yeah. I I think I think that's heavy on Iris's mind is she's carrying around secrets too, and um, what I will be curious about is how people receive them later because mm-hmm. that's always a classic on this show is, uh, is is how people respond when things finally get revealed. Yeah, hopefully Joe doesn't so shoot far, it. Joe doesn't yeah. shoot anyone that time. So yeah, yeah. so far well, it mm-hmm. seems as though everybody's being real adult, and yeah. hopefully yeah. that that continues on. No, it's, a, it's all got to come crashing to a halt at some point. Oh, so, yeah. You know, yeah. somebody's going to throw a spanner into the works and it's just all going to, you know, it'll all explode. Yeah. Know, feelings. Just in time for the spring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cisco's going to find out that his crush is, you know, part hawk and that that's just going to complicate a lot of things. So, yeah. It, it does, though, to be fair. Yeah. You know, for one thing, your dinner options become sharply narrowed when your date insists on catching their own food. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Okay, um, so I'm going to call an end to this podcast for two reasons. One, I'm getting increasingly spacey. Thank you, Sudafed. And two, Phil Moselak has just sent me an image that is going to be seared on my retinas forever. Um, with you this week, I was Lisa Schmeiser, and... Uh, my name's Phil Moselak. I'm a little tired, too. Yeah. I'm Tony Sindelar. I'm on a different time zone, and I still feel full of Pad Thai and Dr. Pepper. I'm doing great. Goodbye. Oh, my God. Yay!